0: Good evening. Welcome to this virtual candidate forum. Welcome League members, attendees, and our candidate guest, Mr. John Green, Mr. Phil Hemingway, and Mr. Brian Campbell. I am Hazel Seba, a member of the League of Women Ooh. Voters of Johnson County. And I will be the moderator for the forum this evening. To improve the viewing and audio experience for everyone tonight. I would like to ask you to mute your microphone and turn off your video. Thank you. The League of Women Voters is a volunteer, nonpartisan organization that neither supports nor opposes any party or candidate. The League works to not only register voters but also to provide them with information on topics to assist their participation in government. We do not take positions, and uh, we do take positions, excuse me, but only after considerable study of the issues. And we act to influence decision makers on those issues. Membership is open to anyone over 16 years of age or older. Join us. We can use your time and your talent. Democracy works best when more people are involved. The views expressed in this form are those of the candidates. All viable candidates have been invited to participate. The format for this evening is as follows. After candidates have been introduced, they will have two minutes for opening remarks. Next, I will pose questions from the League of Women Voters. Believe we have three questions tonight. Persons attending this forum on Zoom are invited to pose their own questions in the chat. As the moderator, I will pose your questions to the candidates after they have responded to the initial three questions. All candidates will be invited to respond to each question that's asked. Each candidate will have one minute to respond to each question. There will not be time for rebuttals. We are scheduled for one hour. Near the end of our scheduled time for this event, and I am estimating that's going to be about 745, each candidate will have two minutes for some closing remarks. Speaking order will be rotated throughout the evening. Jean Donham, a League member, is our timekeeper. She will be raising cards to alert the candidates when their time is about up and when it is up. Tonight we have three candidates. They are running for the Johnson County Board of Supervisors seat that was vacated by Supervisor Janelle Reddick. Our candidates are John Green, Phil Hemingway, and Brian Campbell. So Let's begin with a two minute opening statements, starting first with Mr. John Green.
1: Thank you, Hazel. Uh, thank you to the league for putting this together and all of the important work that you folks do. Thank you to everyone listening tonight. Thank you to Phil. Thank you to Brian for being candidates. Uh, I firmly believe that every race is a better race when it is contested by multiple candidates. My name is John Green. I live in Lone Tree. I've lived here and in Nichols over in Muscatine County most of my life, although I am originally from Wyoming. Uh, My most recent political experience was I was the mayor of Lone Tree in 2018 and 2019. I served one uh, full term, Galen, to your question, I did not resign, I served the full term, uh, but I determined that uh, I was interested in hiring a city manager someone who could do the job full-time because Lone Tree Mayor position only paid $1,000 a year. That's one of the reasons that I'm interested in running for supervisors because it does pay a salary sufficient that it can be a full-time job. Some of the things that I think that are important for the supervisors to address are, of course, the ongoing COVID crisis and how we are now entering into our COVID recovery. Uh, The previous year was a difficult year for all of us, but it's been much harder for some than others. Uh, For folks who've been able to work from home like me, it's just been a socially traumatic year, and I've been able to remain safe, thankfully. But for a lot of folks, it hasn't been that easy. And so we've got significant resources coming in from the federal government for COVID relief, and we need to ensure that those resources go equitably to those folks who need assistance the most. Those who were harmed the most must be helped the most. Thank you. And I look forward to answering your questions tonight. Godspeed.
0: Thank you. Um, And next, Mr. Hemingway.
1: Thank you. Uh, I
2: I wish to thank the league for uh, putting on this event. Uh, I appreciate uh, all the work that it takes to do this. And and, uh, thank you for that. Uh, I'm Phil Hemingway. I was born uh, between, I was born in, in Mercy Hospital here in Iowa City uh, and grew up on my family's farm between Morris and Oasis. Um, I farmed with my uh, father and brother out of high school. Um, when I was in age, I showed livestock at the four-age uh, fairgrounds. Um, we raised uh, corn and beans, alfalfa, uh, cattle and hogs. Um, I got a very great opportunity uh, in the 80s to uh, manage Roy Carver's Cattle Ranch in Belize Central America, the largest cattle ranch there. And uh, that's where I f- met my future wife, Anita, and uh, had a great experience there working with a diversity of different people uh, and working, with, working in a foreign land uh, and, and understanding all of their uh, regulations and things that way. Uh, I came back, uh, I worked uh, in Africa and uh, in the former Soviet Union. Uh, I was elected to the, uh, uh, the Iowa City School Board in 2015, uh, correcting uh, information. I served a full term as well, uh, contrary to the press citizen. And uh, uh, I was able to uh, get uh, ag education Uh, FFA uh, in our schools for the first time ever, was able to get um, pesticides out of our classroom and our school grounds and was instrumental uh, with community members in uh, uh, writing a policy and uh, for inclusive playgrounds uh, at a time when the school district was being investigated by the DOJ. Uh, I look to bring a new voice and to break the status quo of the uh, Board of Supervisors.
0: Thank you. Um, And now, Mr. Campbell.
3: Hello, I wanna thank the league. All the uh, people here wanna watch us talk and and both candidates as well. I wanna start out just by explaining to the people why I decided to run. I've been a lifelong Democrat, been part of the central committee. My parents were part of the central committee um, just to kind of tell a quick story as to kind of what illustrates why I'm here. Um, It all started about three or four years ago. Uh, Pat Hyden and I would be sitting in the back of the central committee meetings and literally nobody knew who we were. We just sit back there and talk to each other. Uh, We both had, we shared a lot of ideas that were similar and, and we talked about how we wanted to change this County and, and make it better for everyone how everyone deserved a voice and how we would go about doing that. So for a period of a number of years, and, and when she decided to run for about six months, it was just her and I just talking every week about how we wanted to do things. And so I've, I've been planning this for about three or four years. So this seemed like a good time to you know, throw my hat in the ring. Uh, when Janelle resigned. Uh, It was unfortunate, but it was also an opportunity. And me being a Democrat and sharing all the democratic values of of some of the supervisors and Pat as well, I just thought it was a great time. So thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Now to our questions. Recall that you will have one minute to respond to each question. And I'm going to read the first question. Which issue facing the Board of Supervisors most interests you? And for our order for the first question, I'm gonna call on Mr. Green.
1: Thank you, Hazel. Uh, As I indicated in my opening, I think the most pressing issue facing the county right now is our rebound from the COVID crisis and ensuring that, how big of a traumatic event this has been to all of us is something that the county focuses on improving for all of us and not merely going back to what was a broken status quo. Uh, We have a one-time opportunity with these American Rescue Plan dollars to really focus on making smart investments in both our physical infrastructure, but also in our human infrastructure to ensure that we are well positioned to be able to face whatever the future brings. And it also gives us an opportunity to write our own future. And so I think that's where our focus must be. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And um, next, um, what most interests you, Mr. Hemingway?
2: Yes, uh there's there's a lot of priorities facing uh Johnson County. Um definitely uh bridging the uh uh rural and urban divide uh is is uh, uh a huge one and uh it's recognized by the fact that uh, all three candidates are coming at this uh, race with a strong rural emphasis, something I have uh, Uh, illustrated ever since I started running for the Board of Supervisors, definitely with all this money coming in, uh, we have got to spend it wisely. Uh, I have a proven track record as an elected official to the fifth largest school district in the state when I was the finance chairman. Uh, In fact, uh, the Gazette, not my words, but the Gazette editorial board said that there is simply no other member of the school board with his tenacity or attention to de- detail, especially on fiscal matters. Uh, that may be important, especially with this huge inf- influx of money coming into our county.
0: Thank you. And Mr. Campbell, what most interests you?
3: Actually, I agree with both candidates to an extent. I think uh, the pandemic. Because of the leaders we have now, will will ultimately take care of itself. I think the rural divide between uh, uh, the city people and people in the country is is a another major issue that Phil touched upon. But I would go a little bit further and say that it's more of a social issue where we've got opposing groups that just don't want to work together or get along with each other. And my my mantra is kind of like, let's end the hate between people and let's start beginning hope. And I think that's across all different kinds of issues where there's people on both sides and we can take care of a pandemic given time, but the issue that divides people basically is one that's systemic and that we have to work on almost every single day.
0: Thank you. And question two. What guidelines will you personally follow to balance the needs and interest of rural and urban populations in the county? Mr. Hemingway.
2: Uh, yes. I, I'm, uh, the uh, First, uh, the, the rural uh, residents of Johnson County need a voice. And uh, it's it's been spoken about by the present uh, supervisors uh, quite often that uh, uh, you know they don't they don't agree with us and and you know the board has spent excuse me a lot of time going after livestock producers which wasn't really in their purview uh, and was a state issue and that was time uh, and effort that could have been spent on on other things. Um, as an elected official with the school board, I hosted a uh, Friday open house where anyone in the community could come and discuss school matters with me. As a board of supervisors, I will maintain that. Uh, when I was a school board member, I had uh, Kirk Freese and Mike Carberry come over and discuss uh, school issues with me. I have a proven record of working with everybody, and uh, as a school board official, you it was a nonpartisan position and you worked with everyone and you didn't care what party they were.
0: Thank you. Mr. Campo.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I kind of agree with
3: Phil as well. I would say that uh, the divide between the rural and the urban people is one that's not people don't, it's not that people don't have a voice, it's just that they don't have anybody to listen to them. And that's the problem when you've when you're a leader you should be a good listener to everyone and i think that i'm capable of doing that because i i'm i have support from both sides of the aisle i grew up on a farm a lot of my friends and supporters are farmers they've told me what their issues are i work for the county i've been elected twice in this county so i've seen both sides of of, of perspectives of these groups and so I think somebody in the middle is needed in order to bring these people together where both sides can trust them. And I just think I'm the person to do that.
0: Okay, thank you. And what guidelines will you follow, Mr. Green?
1: Thank you. Uh, I don't know that there's so much of an urban rural divide in Johnson County as uh, the other folks vying for this office. do. I, what I do think is, exists is a difficulty of communication. And that's not a dig at the present members of the Board of Supervisors. When I was mayor, I never had any issue where I could not talk to them, where they weren't receptive. If I asked for something from them, they were happy to help. I think what the issue is, is it helps when folks in the outlying areas, the county just see that they have someone representing them on the board, someone who they do see, you know, daily because when you live out in the boonies, you do run in different circles than the uh, city folks do. But we also, you know, we go to Iowa City all the time. And so we just need to bridge that divide. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And
0: question number three from the league is, the Unified Development Ordinance was a major undertaking. Do you hope to see the board revisit any parts of it in the near term? If so, with what aim, Mr. Campbell?
3: Uh, definitely. I think the when the um, when it came about several years ago, the kind of put together a commission of of various people and. Had listening posts, and a lot of those ideas from people never got implemented. Uh, for example, the 40-acre rule, where people need 40 acres in order to build a house for their family or or their children, or that that's kind of it discourages family farms from keeping them in the family. What that leads to is people end up selling their farms, and then you've got what people call factory farms because the only people that can afford to buy those farms are people with a lot of money who already own a lot of land. And that's a problem because if if that keeps going, you're gonna have people leaving farming and leaving agriculture, and it's gonna turn into almost a a corporation of agriculture. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I think needs to be addressed with uh, with the land use reform.
0: Thank you. Mr. Green,
1: thank you. Uh, yeah, I I actually agree with Mr. Campbell to a point in that we do need to be uh, advancing policies that encourage sustainable small farming operations. But it's it's more than that. It's not just that uh, you know we need to hold the line. The line has been collapsing over the past forty years since Richard Nixon was president. And the whole, uh, the whole farming thing was get bigger, get it, get out. That clearly is a failed way to look at things. We need to look at more sustainable, smaller farming, and we need to ensure that our larger operations in the county are behaving responsibly. Uh, you know, in Lone Tree, we're building a $6 million wastewater facility plant. We're happy to do that. We want to have clean water. And I'd ask the same from our ag partners in the county.
0: Okay, and Mr. Hemingway.
2: Yes. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Brian is right on. Um, We have to revisit it. uh, And and definitely uh, agriculture right now uh, is uh, going through an, an evolution and there's a lot of niche farming, and, and Brian was correct in, in identifying that small farms are, are going to be growing at a larger rate than large farms. And uh, we've got to provide and, and make sure that we have policies that help support that. That's why I push to have ag education and FFA in our schools. Anyone who has seen uh, the uh, people that, uh, students that participate in uh, ag education, The vast majority don't come from farms, but they're interested in agribusiness, which is the largest business in the state. And we have to recognize that our economy uh, in Johnson County, as well as the state, uh, is reliant on agriculture, and we have to work with it instead of working against it.
0: Thank you. That completes the League of Women Voters three questions. And we'll now go to the questions that appear in the chat. And um, I'd like to remind the audience and league members in the audience that if you wish to ask a question, please type it into the chat and I'll address it from there with our candidates. Um, The first question that I have now actually is, is aimed at at two of the candidates. So I'm going to break the question up, and I think this might have been covered a little bit. But um, I am curious about why Hemingway resigned from the school board before his term was completed. So Mr. Hemingway, would you address that question again?
2: Uh, Well, I did address it in my introduction. Uh, The press citizen got it wrong. Um, and uh, I also want to clear something up. Uh, Running for county supervisor does not, uh, the prerequisite is not a journalism degree from a college. Uh, I guess I'm the only one running this time that doesn't have one, but uh, no, I've served a full term. It's very easy to look up. Uh, I missed one retreat in the four years that I was there. I uh, spent two weeks, or every two weeks, I spent anywhere from two to four hours going over the district's bills, every receipt, every check, uh, and that's why the uh, Gazette made the statement that they did in 2018. Uh, I was there for uh, many uh, voluntary listening posts and things like that to uh, uh, meet with the students. I made routine visits to schools around the district. so. Um, and that, that fact, or that is not a fact, that, that is uh, false information. And uh, I'm glad we get an opportunity to correct it. Thank you.
0: Okay, all right. And um, the other part of this question again, and this would be good to, since the question did come up, it'd be good to address it. I am curious about why Green from the Lone Tree City Council Um, resigned before his term was completed. So, Mr. Green.
1: Thank you, Hazel, and thank you, Galen. Uh, Indeed, I did serve my entire term as I indicated during my introductory remarks. I felt that it was important to be able to spend, you know, a considerable amount of time being mayor, which is why I pitched the city administrator uh, position Uh, But I did fill out my complete term, and now I'm interested in being a supervisor because being a supervisor does bring with it more uh, of a salary than being mayor of Lone Tree. It was a 1000 bucks a year when I served as mayor. It's now $2,000 a year because the city council who was serving with me saw how much time, how much effort, how much blood, sweat, and tears I brought to the position, and they understood the argument that it was useful to uh, offer a little bit more money in order to try and attract quality candidates that would spend a lot of time working for Lone Tree.
0: Thank you. Uh, The next question um, is, please describe your plans for the Guide Link Center. And we'll start with Mr. Green.
1: Thank you. The Guide Link Center is something that is personally important to me. I have uh, friends and family that have been going through uh, difficult times in terms of mental health. This past year has been hard on all of us, and it's understandable that everybody's mental health is reeling. Uh, the problem with the Guide Link Center isn't anything of what they do. It's that they don't have sufficient resources to be able to meet all of the needs that we have here in Johnson County we should look at redirecting some of the money that we spend in the sheriff's office toward mental health, toward de-escalatory resources that are going to get folks help instead of just getting them sent to the county lockup. It's going to take work, it's going to be difficult, but it's important and necessary. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Mr. Hemingway, would you address that question?
1: Yes
2: definitely the uh, the, the uh, center is a has been recognized by state officials as a model for the state to follow um, the, a lot of credit goes to uh, the present uh, group of supervisors that work to make this a reality and it's important to make sure that with the new funding formulas that are coming out that it that it receives the funding that it needs uh, and that, uh, you know, we make sure that it's a success that we all want it to be because definitely the need is there. Um, what we've gone through with uh, the, the COVID uh, pandemic has uh, definitely uh, created more uh, issues with uh, mental health and people being isolated. We're social beings and uh, we've got to get back to, to living and uh, so uh, we, uh, it's important that we make that facility a success and that we uh, make sure that it uh, fulfills the dream that we all want in providing the very necessary needs for our citizens.
0: Thank you. Mr. Campbell.
2: Yes, I actually
3: agree with John in a, in a respect. Of, it does wonderful work there, but you know, in order to accomplish things, you need the resources to do it. And I think, and I've always believed this because I've worked for the county and I'm I'm kind of, you know, I've been studying a lot of the budgets and things that they put together on a yearly basis. And the biggest problem is trying to find the money for everybody that, that needs it in this county. And to Phil's point earlier about how he was a, a financial manager for the school board, to me, that's one of the key components of a supervisor is trying to to make do with what the money you're given and to spread it out to where it's gonna do the most good. And so it, it, it takes really someone who's really astute at doing that and who's studied it and who knows the territory to be able to make those things work. And if, if you know what you're doing, you can find the money to fund almost anything if you, know, if you manage it properly. And I think that's what supervisors are. They're managers and they're budgeters and they oversee personnel for the most part. And I think if you know what you're doing and you're, and you're competent, you can get the job done and, and make things like the Guy Link Center really successful.
0: Thank you. And new question. What are your thoughts about how to protect members of the public from gun violence now that the legislature has limited local government's ability to keep guns out of the public facilities like courthouses, libraries, and other public spaces. Mr. Hemingway.
2: Well, uh, people, uh, gun ownership and gun possession, uh, or gun ownership is is uh, gu- uh, guaranteed in the Constitution. Um, we definitely want to make sure that uh, Felons and uh, people that uh, have have cannot prove themselves to be safe with firearms do not have access to them. But uh, you can look at areas that have uh, very strict uh, gun re- regulations, uh, and uh, they have very high <clears throat> excuse me uh, murder rates. And uh, it's it's very important that uh, the rights of an individual for self defense are uh, protected and allowed
0: thank you mr campbell you're muted
3: i'm sorry I was, I was saying that's a really tough question to answer a lot of it depends on the the public facility or or the person that's managing the the building or the, or the facility. Uh, I also think it involves a lot of retraining with some of the people who who uh, police um, our city and our county. Um, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that the gun violence that's, that's been going on in recent times is, is as necessary as it is. I think there's alternatives. There's an alternative and a safer way to, to handle issues like that, and it, it doesn't always mean that, you know, you shoot first and ask questions later, um, but it's it's a very tough issue, and, and there's rights on both sides, and <clears throat> it's going to take cooperation from both sides to, to come to some kind of meeting where people can feel safe.
0: Thank you. Mr. Green. Thank you.
1: Uh, one point I want to first address is Phil's point about how uh, jurisdictions with strong gun laws still have high cr- crime rates. That's because uh, guns come across borders from jurisdictions like ours that have got weak gun laws. That said, as disappointed as I am about the actions that the legislature has taken on gun free zones in Iowa and licensing and all that, the fact of the matter is most gun violence is two things it's either suicide. Or it's intimate partner violence. And so we can make significant headway regardless of what the legislature is up to if we target those two things. You know, I'd hate for there to be a mass shooting in Johnson County, but we can make a hell of a big difference if we work on mental health, if we work on substance abuse, if we work on intimate partner violence, that'll move the ball. Thank you.
0: Thank you new question what actions will you take to combat the climate crisis on a county level starting with um, mr. Campbell
3: uh, yeah I think uh, I think that gets down to what we talked about earlier with the uh, cooperation between the urban and the rural uh, communities I mean how do you solve water quality or air quality or or climate issues without having people on both sides working together and, and who's going to bring those people together. I mean, for years, the people outside of city haven't shown the trust in the people who are running the County and, and really won't go out of their way to support them. Well, how do you fix that? You've got to have somebody who, who both sides can trust and somebody who understands each perspective. And in order to bring them together and work find a solution that works because, you know, the people in the, that, that take care of the land, they, they've they been doing it for generations. So they don't want people telling them how to do it. But yet again, if there's enough information that that we can bring to them and say, hey, this is what we need to do together. Let's try to get it done. I think you need somebody that's gonna be able to do that.
0: Thank you, Mr. Green. Thank you.
1: I think the the big issue here is that we have a lot of good programs for new construction, but we need to focus. You know, most of us don't live in new construction, and so we need to continue to encourage not only uh, efficiency programs in terms of updating your fixtures and whatnot, uh, water conservation, but also in looking to improve you know, the quality of the insulation you have, getting new HVAC systems installed, that sort of thing. There's a lot of uh, low hanging fruit because most of these systems need periodic maintenance and replacement anyway, where we have an opportunity to make a pretty significant difference in stuff that's already needs to be done is going to get done. And so I hope that we can uh, work toward improving those opportunities. Thank you.
0: And Mr. Hemingway.
2: Yes, uh, Brian Brian is uh, correct. And the farmers, uh, my family's uh, roots go back to 1860s here in Johnson County and have been here continually. Uh, There's nothing that uh, my brother on the home place uh, wants to do uh, that wants to be passed on to future generations. And agriculture is going to be crucial going forward in the climate discussion. And farmers are doing a lot with with bumper with planting cover crops and doing different water quality issues to improve that. Uh, and the school district, we had the student organization that did a, uh, a protest outside the uh, superintendent's office for weeks on end, I was the only board member that came there in the day to meet with them and talk with them. Uh, We were able to do some things that way, but uh, uh, we all have a crucial role to play in making sure that we have clean air, clean water uh, for all of us for, for now and in the future.
0: Thank you. Next question. As the US prepares to leave Afghanistan, It's anticipated that local sheriffs and police departments will again be offered discarded military equipment from guns to tanks. How will you respond to offers that equipment from the federal government to our county's sheriff's departments? And uh, start, Mr. Green.
1: Thank you. Full stop. Weapons of war have no business policing. There's no reason that any jurisdiction domestically that is charged with policing with public safety has any business using any of this stuff. And so it should all be turned down. Doesn't take much of an answer.
0: Thank you. Mr. Hemingway.
1: Well, as a ASC certified
2: uh, master mechanic, Um, And you're talking about, uh, you know, equipment. Uh, The county did purchase a uh, bomb-proof vehicle. Uh, I kind of question, just from a pure maintenance standpoint, even if it was given to us free, the cost of maintenance and upkeep on the thing could be uh, more than what it's worth. But uh, some counties do use uh, surplus equipment for road maintenance and for dump trucks and things like that, so to completely rule it out, uh, would be foolish. Um, as far as, uh, util- utilizing, uh, certain, uh, equipment, uh, that way, um, I'm gonna, you know, the sheriff is an elected official. Uh, I have to oversee his budget and, uh, he will be held accountable by the, uh, uh the voters of the county as well. Uh, so, uh, what uh, what he feels uh, he needs uh, will be something that will undoubtedly come before the supervisors and will have to be taken into consideration.
0: Thank you, Mr. Campbell.
2: Yeah, I think this is an easy answer. Um,
3: I don't think um, weapons like that have really any place in the police department. I. People are gonna to have to be trained to use them. I'd rather spend the money and the time training the, the the police officers and the and the deputies in actually how to deal with the citizens and how to help people who who may not be criminals on the surface and really need help in other ways. I'd rather see you know that kind of training and time and money spent in that respect than trying to train people to use weapons that they'll probably need like Phil said that bomb machine. I don't think it's ever been used in five years. So really what good is it? Um, I think you're much better off putting that money and time into the people, citizens in this county who need it.
0: Thank you. Next question. In 2019, Johnson County created its future land map. What is your opinion of the results of that review? Mr. Hemingway.
2: Well, I think that you know, for a long time, the supervisors have felt they own the map. Uh, the uh, River Junction issue uh, comes to mind. I know uh, there are some residents there who are unhappy with how uh, the the uh, board uh, ultimately resolved that issue. Uh, definitely, we need we need community input and uh, we need uh, community buy-in, and I think it's important that. Uh, know the residents have a say and and it's it's been alluded to earlier that you know many people who own own property have issues with how they're able to utilize it and i think it's important that uh, the the board of supervisors recognize each individual's right to uh to use their property in a way that they feel is best for them
0: thank you and mr campbell
2: yeah I, i kind of agree with phil i
3: think for years, I think the per, uh, pervasive uh, thinking was that the Northport corridor and the north section of of the county was a development area, and, and the south and, and other parts were not as well. I think it's the map is not as, as much of a problem as its interpretation. If you look at the if you look at the uh, the plan itself, it's they they say well we want to separate commercial agricultural and residential well that's fine but in some places they choose not to do that in other places they choose to do it it's how they interpret it and how they enforce it to me that makes more of a of a of a difference because you know is it being done fairly is it being is everybody being treated equally and you know the answer to that in, in my opinion is no it just depends on who you are and who you know and the map itself you know the county is what it is, um, but the people who make the decisions—the board and the planning and zoning—I think they have to look at it more of a an equitable thing where everybody is treating being treated the same and and uh, and fairly and and that that would go a long way towards making it a better plan. I think.
0: Thank you, Mr. Green.
1: Thank you. There are two things that are in tension, but that I think, nonetheless, most folks agree upon when it comes to land use policy. The first, which Phil and Brian spoke about, was that when you own property, you expect to be able to do what you want with it. But the, the second thing is, I think most of us also agree that it's important that we have zoning, that we have restrictions, that we look to sustainability, that we look for responsible land use that doesn't bother your neighbors. I am sympathetic to folks who don't like the 40-acre rule. I hear a lot about it when I was mayor of Lone Tree, just living down here. But on the other hand, I also know that if we get to tinkering with this too much, uh, the thing I most care to avoid is having a bunch of hog confinements popping up all throughout the county. They're bad for us. They're bad for our neighbors. They're bad for everybody downstream. So I don't want to see that either.
0: Thank you. And new question: How can the county better respond to issues raised by Iowa, excuse me, Iowa Freedom Riders, and other racial justice concerns, Mr. Campbell?
3: Well, that that takes us back to my. Kind of my thinking about how everybody deserves a voice i mean people want somebody to listen to them i mean that's the biggest complaint that i hear if you if you look at customer service in in any kind of industry people get frustrated because no one listens to them and if we start listening to people what happens we start getting educated and and a, a lot of our problems come from the fact that uh certain groups don't understand what other groups are going through or, or what they deal with on a daily basis. And, you know, if you get in there with, I don't care if it's freedom riders or farmers or anybody, you've got to, you've got to have a platform where you can communicate and listen to each other and understand what people are going through. You can't make decisions that are good decisions unless you know the facts of what's actually going on. And so I think it's incumbent upon supervisors, for any issue to just listen to whoever is out there and has a concern.
0: Thank you. Mr. Green. Thank you. Uh,
1: This is an important issue to me, albeit one that I know the supervisors have uh, limited direct control over, but uh, these folks uh, as represented by the Iowa Freedom Riders and the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, these folks have been under the thumb of law enforcement for a long time. When, like the three of us, Brian, Phil, and I, you know, we have a different relationship, a different experience with law enforcement than people of color do. And I think that it's important that we really look at that and we try and deprogram all the systemic violence and racism and oppression that are in our systems of governance beyond just law enforcement. And it's going to be a monumental undertaking, but we need to start.
0: Thank you. Mr. Hemingway.
2: Uh,
1: yes, as, as
2: uh, uh, I think Brian was was right on the communication aspect of this question, um, I have always made myself accessible to, to speak with people and I have protected others' right of free speech, whether it be before uh, the Coralville City Council or as a board member uh, defending a citizen's right to come and address grievances with the school board. Um, It's important everybody have a voice, but it's also important that people respect the rule of law and respect law enforcement. When we have vandalization of public and private property uh, and a children's hospital where cancer, where where children are getting needed cancer treatment, uh, we need law enforcement to be able to uh, protect those children from being terrorized by mobs that want to vandalize those properties. I want everyone to have a right to free speech and discuss the issues, and we, we need to do it, and we need to agree, agree, we need to disagree agreeably. But the destruction of public and prop, uh, public and private property cannot be tolerated.
0: Okay um, and a, a broad question here as communities grow and attract more families and people into our county, what countywide amenities will you support to make our county an attractive place to live, work, and play in? Let's start with Mr. Green.
1: Thank you. One of the big things, especially within the supervisor's purview, is we like bicycling in Johnson County. And if you come down to this end of the county, it can be difficult. There's a number of roadways, Wopsy, which is the north-south road straight out of Lone Tree here. It's in rough shape. It has a pencil-wide gravel shoulders. And it's just a dangerous road to be on if you're on a bike. It isn't that much better if you're in a car. Uh, so it's that sort of core infrastructure, the most basic, boring uh, stuff that we need to pay attention to. And we need to make sure that we are spreading the love throughout the county because wopsy isn't even on the uh, five-year plan right now, uh, last that I had looked at it, and that sort of stuff. It's, it's the, the small stuff. you.
0: And thank Sir, you. Me, 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 okay. one question. One
3: question. Me. Susie, can you mute d-
2: that? Me, one uh-huh. question, me. Hi, guys. We are, are you? We are me, you talking? you're... Should
0: be muted, Mr. Hemingway.
2: Yes, could you do me a favor and re- and, and rephrase the question? Uh, repeat. The
0: question? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we had a little interruption there. You know, I, I, I
2: understand, and, and, and also I've got an opportunity. Brian kind of missed out on a question when. Uh, uh, Mr. Green and myself were correcting our our policy He's so that, last he, last that he gets year year.
0: Okay, let me repeat the question: As communities grow and attract yeah. families and people yeah. to our county, what county-wide amen- and amenities will you support to make our county an attractive place to live, work, and play in?
2: Yes, well. Definitely, the first thing is, is we have to be welcoming and we have to be safe. And we're all here for a reason, we love it. We have a great climate, we have great people and we have beautiful land and uh, uh, beautiful opportunities here. But it also has, the opportunities have to be for everyone. Uh, I have a great friend, uh, Henry Harper, uh, who left the community because he was having difficulties getting getting employment. And he he went back to East St. Louis uh, it's important that we have opportunities for everyone in our community and that we're welcoming and uh, recognize uh, people have different uh, customs, gif- different traits, different uh, beliefs, and uh, we respect everyone's uh, opportunity to come here and, and live and, and prosper and uh, enjoy life.
0: Thank you. Mr. Campbell. Uh,
2: I think it's without a doubt
3: uh, broadband. I mean, this pandemic has shown us uh, what kind of world we live in if if we can't communicate and we can't meet face to face. I mean, there's people out there who can't get their benefits because things are being required to be done online now. Kids got to be schooled online. Some of them, I mean, what good is a Chromebook if you don't have Wi-Fi at home? communication has reached a point where it a lot of it is not done in person anymore and if if you don't have broadband you know for everybody in the county then people are at a disadvantage whether it's your children whether it's people in need i was a frontline employee during this whole pandemic i saw firsthand how people who depended on benefits and and things just to survive couldn't get the the help that they needed because A, half the people were at home or they had to make a phone call, you know, to somebody in Des Moines or somewhere and wait two or three days or even longer to get get back in touch with them. So broadband to me is the biggest issue that we this county needs to to take care of and, and an amenity that's that's so much so much needed.
0: Thank you. And we're at the point in tonight's uh, program where we need to go to closing statements. Each candidate will now have two minutes to make a closing statement. We'll begin with Mr. Hemingway.
2: Well, well, thank you very much for the uh, opportunity to speak, and and uh, I uh, want to thank uh, uh, Mr. Green and and. Uh, Mr. Campbell, for, for coming here and participating in it. We've shown that we can have uh, a discussion and, and uh, answer questions in a civil, civil manner. Um, I want people to consider uh, what I have uh, done in uh, my public service with the schools. Um, I want them to consider uh, the many uh, surveys and, and questionnaires I filled out. And, and one thing that kind of popped up on me when uh, uh, Mr. Green was talking about his pay as uh, the mayor of Lone Tree. Um, boy, don't ever volunteer to be a, a school board member because you don't. I got a a twenty dollar plaque, which I voted against when it came before me when uh, it was in the consent agenda. Uh, that, we I I put all of that in for nothing. Uh, I don't look at this as a paycheck. I look at this as an opportunity to serve the county that I love. And uh, it's important that we get people in there that aren't just, uh, you know, uh, bureaucrats that, that essentially are just wanting to collect a, a, a tidy check and a pension. Uh, I love this county. I've lived here all my life. When I worked overseas, I still maintained a residence here. Uh, this is where I raised my daughter. She got a world-class education, uh, and she's gone off into the world and is doing great things. I want to make sure that the the next generation uh, and future generations in this county have the same opportunity. And uh, I, I think that people should look at my record and look at what I've actually done and, and not what I say I'm going to do. And uh, I think it's important too. uh, maybe I watch, uh, you know, too much uh, grit on TV, but you know, we need to make sure we get people that are that just aren't all hat and no cattle. We need people that are, uh, you know, get a, get in there, do the work that's required, and make Johnson County better for everyone.
0: Thank you. Mr. Campbell.
3: Yeah, I think Phil hit it right on the head. I think, I don't know, I know he doesn't do this. I certainly don't do this for the money. I, I do a lot of volunteering for veterans, and I grow food for the local community. I put in my time and labor. I I don't do that to get paid. I do that because that's what I enjoy doing and and people need it. Uh, My job with the county is to helping elderly and disadvantaged and and people get on with their lives and, and live a productive life. So to me, it's not about the money. It's about wanting to help people, knowing what people need because I work for the county, I see a lot of what goes on. I have ideas about what I think would make things better. Um, I've been a Democrat for a long time. Uh, I, I worked with Pat, Pat Hyden on her steering committee, so I've been involved with the supervisors. And I think that my experience and the fact that you know I'm doing this out of the love of of helping people, so. Um, I want to thank everybody here, all the, both candidates and all the people in the league as well. So I appreciate it and
1: good luck to you.
0: Thank you. Mr. Green.
1: Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for your participation tonight. Thank you to the league for putting this on. Uh, I know we uh, covered quite a bit of ground, but uh, there's a lot of stuff we didn't have time to get to. So I have more detailed policies on my website, greenforjc.com, green like the color, forjc.com JC.com. But I would be remiss to uh, not just stop and address the uh, criticism from Phil and Brian that I'm in this just for the paycheck. Uh, public service is important to me, but I also do think that it is important that we pay our public servants a fair wage Not because anybody's in this to get rich, none of us are, I would not make that accusation of anybody who holds office, but also because it provides an opportunity for everyone to run for office. Not all of us are fortunate enough to, you know, be independently wealthy or to be retired drawing a pension. And so you have to pay for talent, you have to pay for people's time. And I think that's important. Leaving that aside, We have an awful lot of work to do over the next 20 some months of the remainder of this term. We have a lot to look forward to. It's an unsettled time, but there are many opportunities. And I am asking for your vote because I would like to work with you and more importantly for you, Johnson County, to ensure that we can maximize those opportunities and work toward a better future for all of Johnson County. Thank you and hopefully come out and vote for uh, on June 8th or satellite voting or drive through voting at the county building Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Everyone have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you to the candidates. A special thank you to Iowa City's television staff for recording the event and live streaming it. The recording of this form will be available on the Facebook page of the League of Women Voters. In addition, rebroadcast of the forum will be run on Iowa City Channel 4, Coral Vision, and North Liberty TV. See their respective websites for the program schedules. I would like to end with a reminder to all of you that the League of Women Voters website, vote411.org, I'll repeat that, vote411.org provides extensive voter and election information for each state, not just Iowa. With that, good night.
2: Good night, thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening.